podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Support for this podcast comes from the patrons at patreon.com slash FML FPL. Hey, welcome to another FML Field Fireside Chat. I am very pleased to welcome the inventor of the XG Maps, data, and soccer analytics guru, Michael Cayley. Michael, you are the first ever returning guest on our podcast. How does that feel? It's it's an honor I couldn't have imagined. <laughs> All of your work has led you to this incredible this moment. Yep, this moment. Um, how you doing? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I've been uh, podcasting heavy because uh, uh, my other podcast, Double Pivot, uh, my, my podcast partner, Mike Goodman, has been on paternity leave. So I've been uh, scheduling podcasts and cutting podcasts and stuff. So this is this is very relaxing. You scheduled me, and then <laughs> I don't have to cut the whole thing together. So I'm just happy about that, basically. Yeah, I mean, basically... You just get to talk about whatever you want to talk about, and then I cut it into an episode. So it's hopefully it's an easy, nice thing, and you don't have to stress about it. Yep. Um, so, all right. So the first time that that we were on together, almost a year ago now, it was XG, expected goals, expected assists, all that stuff. We're sort of just breaking onto the FPL scene. Fast forward to now. It's kind of normal, and everyone sort of knows what expected goals are, and and sort of uses it. Maybe don't know how to use it, but sort of try to use it to help pick their their FPL team to help help intelligently talk about players and all of that. But I think since we did that already, the vibe of this episode is really just going to be up about the upcoming Premier League season from a statistical perspective. We got a lot of questions from our Patreon subscribers. And yeah, does that sound good? Works for me. All right, so I think the obvious place to start and where we got some questions are just sort of underperforming and overperforming stats, regression, progression, and all that stuff. Basically, mm-hmm. tra- translated into fantasy terms, I know that you are familiar with fantasy. Translated yep. into fantasy terms, we're looking for the buy low guys who like underperformed or maybe they're on bad teams underperform their numbers and stats and they could have nice seasons and and at the same time we're trying to avoid the expensive traps who overperform their numbers and it'll probably come back down to earth. Um, mm-hmm. So the first question we got was from Jeff D on our Slack. He said, what do people mean when they're talking about FPL and talking about players regressing to the mean or progressing to the mean? Yeah, so the basic concept here is um, is in particular, it can mean a lot of things. Okay. Um, the, the basic concept of regression to the mean is that if you know the mean rate at which something will happen, the the, uh, the thing that everyone always goes to is coin flips. You know right. a coin flip is 50-50. Yes. If, you have, um, if you've flipped a coin four times and it's come up heads three times, it's still 50-50 the next time. And what regression to the mean means broadly is that, say, so you're sitting there with your 750 heads coin. Like man, I got I got a real heads coin here. Yeah, exactly. The next ten flips, odds are anyone would bet will be fifty fifty, and then you are at doing math in my head uh, eight out of fourteen, and you're really close to fifty fifty. And, and and regression to the mean is that kind of asymptotic progression toward the natural level of something. So the idea is that if something is running hot or cold, we expect. It will stop doing that and start behaving like its mean level. Now, note no, what that doesn't mean is we don't expect the next four flips, there'll be three tails. I was about to, to say 50. that. Like, we don't expect gambler's fallacy. And I think a lot of people listening will immediately jump to that. It's like, that's not how it works. It just goes right. more towards the mean. It doesn't, it doesn't do the opposite thing to then equal the mean yeah exactly it constantly approaches that and so in the context of of fpl in a game where most of the points are based on goals and assists right um what you're what you're really looking at then there are two ways that this can that that there can be a player can be running hot 
and then they can and they can be that is performing above what we would consider to be their natural level or below what we would consider to be their natural level and we would expect them to approach that the the biggest one the most important one is finishing um mm. what sort of one of the early insights of statistical analysis in soccer was that players that 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 it's not that there aren't players who are good at finishing there are the problem is there are so few shots. Like last season in the Premier League, like players who take a ton of shots, uh, Salah took 140 shots. Aguero took 118 shots. If you look in, uh, in, in professional basketball, players are taking like, what is it, like many hundreds of shots. Even yeah, just I, I... regular players are taking many hundreds of shots. And so it's much easier um, – to or, say or like that baseball, st- it's like 600 at-bats for a season. 600 at-bats, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, so when you have that many shots, it's much easier to say um, how many uh, – it's much easier to say that, okay, hitting them at that higher percentage speaks to a natural level of skill. And then at the further point, shooting in soccer is so much harder than shooting in other sports. Right. Uh, your 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 like your Messies. They're still only hitting in a, in a great season. They're maybe scoring twenty or thirty percent of their shots. So it's even lower than like an average batting average in baseball. And mo- and the average is way lower than that. Average is about ten somewhere around ten percent of shots are scored. Wow, ten so, percent conversion rate. Like ten percent of shots are goals. It is yeah. average broadly. Wow, that's so low. Yeah, that's way lower than I thought. Yep. And so, um, obviously, there are some some shots are better than others. Some shots are finished at much higher rates. But that's that that is the overall broad average. Strikers tend to have higher rates of, of goals per shot, both because they're good at shooting and because since they're strikers, they're in the penalty area. They're taking better shots. Um, it's 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 those which shots is, from outside the box, which are like two three percent that like bring everyone else down. Right, and and XG can kind of paint that picture for us, so we don't have to do too much work in that regard. But I was gonna yeah, just so, also so, wa- so just to finish, yeah. finish my thing. Sorry, yeah. I'm doing the long version of it. Yeah. But basically, what it means is that if you have a player who has scored more of their shots than uh, you would expect an average player to score based on the shots they were taking. There, you should have in your mind, there will be some real skill here. There is absolutely real finishing skill. It's, it's obvious when you watch the games. But if you've only got a 30-shot sample, you don't want to think that that 30 shots tells you something. Those, you know, a, a, the players, um, you know, Jamie Vardy has been overperforming expected goals by a bit. Uh, most seasons, uh, last season, he underperformed massively. Salah has been up and down his whole career. Um, it's not because they were one one year bad at shooting, one year good at shooting. It's because like 140 shots, 100 shots, weird things will happen. So you want to look at then are the quality of the shot attempts, and this is where one of the other things you can see if you if you look at like year to year correlations, mm-hmm. players do tend much more strongly to get the same number and quality of shots year to year. That is a much more consistent player skill. Getting shots and assisting shots is the is, is a more consistent player skill that you can see over a smaller sample. And so, if you've got if you've got a player who's got a consistent record of getting and assisting shots and getting and assisting good shots, you are more likely to be able to identify a player who is going into the future going to be able to produce more of the goals and assists that your fantasy Premier League team needs. Got it. Wow, that was huge. So. When you say overperforming XG, is that a percentage that we should sort of like make in our head? Like I could, I can imagine people listening to this right now or punching in every forward into a spreadsheet and looking at how they've under or overperformed their XG over the last four seasons or something like that. Is that is that percentage usually relatively normalized from season to season? Like you mentioned, Vardy, like usually overperforming is actually is that normal like someone will consistently overperform or underperform their xg season yeah, to season so, yeah so the, the the simplest so so to some degree it is as all strikers tend to overperform their xg a little bit o- overall um there's a couple different studies on this i, I you, you can google michael Cayley. i've done a couple uh, marek kwiatkowski did a really really good one for stats bomb um and basically what they found is that 
the best finish in the world is Messi. Messi. <laughs> and Messi is you can you can put him somewhere like he's going to get 25 or 30% more goals than um than 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 an average player. He's going to outperform his expected goals. He's got like 1.25 goals per expected goal. Um and and sort of think about that. If someone is more than 25% over, are you really saying they're better than Messi at shooting? Like yeah. this, this is sort of one one of the the one of the ways I think about it. Like yeah, if, we if, talked about that on the last episode. It's just like you're not better than Messi, so we can we can guess that you're going to come back down to earth, right? Exactly. So like like looking at players, be, expecting players to be mostly in the sort of tend a good player. If you think they're a good finisher, you can give them that ten to twenty percent boost over their xG, especially if you've looked over the stats over over several years and 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 found that. But um, you want to be really wary of pushing beyond that 10 to 20% range. Right. I feel like someone like Hazard, who we also talked about um, the last time you were on, but he kind of kept up his really high, like overperforming XG. I feel like he does it every single season, like at, at a high rate, like a high percentage over his XG, right? So would he just be at this point considered just an elite finisher and that's just who he is? Um. So, so he is. Uh, I mean, l- last year he had twelve goals against about ten, ex- ten, twelve non-penalty goals against ten expected goals. Right. So, you know, he was still only twenty percent over last year. Um, but twenty percent is like you're almost yeah. messy, you know? Exactly. And, 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 and Aiden Hazard, everyone who's done uh, an, an expected goals, um, you know, best finishers in the world thing, they they, they get Hazard on that list. Right. 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 He's, um, there's there's no question. He's one of the best. Um, yeah. Sun Hung Min comes up on those lists typically. It's another guy you, you, I think you definitely expect to be overperforming. Um, you, and, and, and again, I, I, you, you can find you can find. I, I, I've got a big chart in my piece. Uh, Marek has a big chart in his piece. You can you can see who are the players that that, that we identified as having um, a significant enough uh, record of finishing. Um, right. So who are the who are the Premier League players like? Going into this season, who are the best finishers that we expect to overperform? Yeah, so um, let's see. I'm just looking at the at, at this list here. There's not uh, Sun is 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 the most obvious one who comes up really near the top of all those lists. Wow. Um, who? Because I feel like he takes such bad shots. Yeah, he, he's exceptionally good <laughs> at finishing from wide areas. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is um, uh, Aguero always comes up of above. Course. He's not like he's not like wildly elite, but he always comes up above. Um, who else? Here? Oh yeah, Lacazette. Lacazette. Oh, Lacazette. Yeah. Lacazette. Kane to Kane to a certain degree. Kane is really much more of a shot getter. He is a he's a good finisher, but his incredible skill is his ability to get shots off in the first place. Man, I know um, that you already. I don't need to convince you to not play FPL, but one of my great frustrations, and a lot of our great frustrations, is the there's a there's a bonus point system, which I don't really even need to get into. But <laughs> basically, if you if you miss a lot of shots and you miss big chances, you get docked points. <laughs> and so all of the best players, basically, like so your <laughs> Salon, like et cetera, like Kane will miss three big chances in a game or something like that. He will not get bonus points because that is seen as a negative action. And I'm yep. always just like so frustrated, like, no, this is good. This means he's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and then you've got other players who they're their greatness really they're, they're much more sort of in the closer to goals equals expected goals range uh Raheem Sterling Pierre Emerick Aubameyang yeah. Salah um the, these are players where where it's really about the 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 shots they get more than their finishing um so you you, you got a mix of players there and and like these are these are relatively marginal differences but they're you know they as as people are like putting together their spreadsheets they're worth worth noting you, you don't you don't want to you don't want to do just expected goals and nothing else we do know a little bit more than that you just don't want to push it too far right, right and especially right. like when a this is especially sort of like the that early this season decision making period that like you don't jump on someone who's finishing who's running really hot on finishing through the first couple of weeks or or l- drop someone who's running really cold 
that's that's when this really comes into play. Right. And we actually have a question about that because that is like the early part of the season in FPL, you get one wild card for the first half of the season and one for the second half of the season. That basically means unlimited transfers for the week. Yep. Normally the first wild card is played pretty early on because you know the likelihood of building like the perfect team in preseason is low and you can yep. kind of hop on some trends and hop on some you know hot finishers and stuff we had Haffy wrote on Slack that you mentioned on our podcast last season like Wolves had elite defensive stats early on and that was something that maybe we could rely on and get early Wolves players or something like that yep so i i know that it's we have to be wary of jumping on someone who's like finishing hot early or or racking up huge stats early but we also are we're cornered and we have no choice really so like how how can we most safely apply you know an early trend to to someone that we want long term like is there a way to do it that's better than another yeah so i mean i mean the 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 I'd say the first one, I think that this, uh, you know, I remember this back when I played one of and this happens in most other sports with, with fantasy sports is like the, the big one is minutes. Yeah. Like the, it's the players who are unexpectedly getting minutes or are unexpectedly losing minutes like that. You, the moment, you know, the manager has someone who is favored or unfavored. That's like real solid information you can run with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then the rest of it really is about focusing, especially in those early weeks on the shot numbers, uh, f- focusing on who is creating chances, who is getting on the end of chances and, 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 and ignoring a little bit, um, the expected goals. The other, the other thing, I guess that is a marginal effect here in, in fantasy is, is penalties, a player who's unexpectedly on penalties or right. something like that. Um, th- there's a little bit of extra value there, but like, you know, a player gets, a, 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 a top score, Aiden Hazard, one of the best finish, penalty finishers. He got he scored four penalty goals last year. So like you know that's real, that counts. But like it's not that much. You want to make it a marginal effect. But again, it's about paying attention to those underlying numbers, looking at the shots and the chances. Right. So early on, you're saying that just quantity of shots is more valuable than someone's like xG early on. Oh, um, is that what, is that what you meant? Um, so it, I would say it's a, it's a little, it's a little bit, uh, messy here. Um, but I would say that someone who is getting, this is a, this is a, this is a marginal thing. I would say, I would say if you want one number, get XG, oh, okay. one number, get okay. XG, but it is true. Your, your question sparked. I just wasn't being clear before, but your question sparked. It is true. If someone's XG is driven by an extremely high expected goals per shot, it might be that they just had like two runs where they got in behind the keeper and they get a ton of XG for that. And they don't have that many shots. Like that's a place where you w- might want to say, maybe I'm not going to, maybe I think this expected goals number is also running a little hot. Uh, so- someone who's at really high expected goals per shot. Um, that can be a concern that you might want to flag. That's a, again, that's a marginal concern. You want to look right. at expected goals first. If you pick only one number, you pick expected goals. But there are some marginal concerns that can come up. Got it. Got it. I'm going to write this all down this time, have a mm-hmm. huge season. Um, just going back to ha- to where we kind of started, I was just curious, like, what... So we're not getting enough shots to confidently talk about a player, you know, like you said. And what would be the number that's enough shots where you could like, you know, it, would a, a player getting 300 shots, is that enough? Or would it have to be 500 shots or something it, before you can like confidently talk about their finishing ability and all of that stuff? Like what, yeah. what, what is the sample size that's big enough and how do you kind of determine that number? Yeah. So, and, and it's, it's a combination, it's a combination of two things, a sample size and effect. Um, cause if, if a player is overperforming expected goals by like 30, 40% over 200 shots, like that's, that can be meaningful. But if, if a player is really only overperforming by like 10%, you kind of need five, you need 500 shots. So it's a combination of, 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 oh. of effect it, it, in order to, to find these, this is the way that the, 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 the like Bayesian regression works, size of effect and, and, and size of sample sort of go together. But, um, yeah, I think you re like, you really need like. 
500 shots to really start to see uh, consistent trends. Damn. They make it so hard on us. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Um, back to progression, regression, et cetera. Sam on Slack said, are Trent Alexander-Arnold and Robertson candidates for regression given how much they outperformed their XA by last season? Or are they just such high-quality chance creators playing with great finishers that we'd expect them to beat these metrics every season? Yeah. Um, I mean, the, so there's there's not a lot of evidence for overperforming expected assists. Okay. As you can as you can understand, that's a weird that would be a weird skill to have. Um right. and then the other thing is that uh Liverpool's finishers really it's their finish the finishing is not what pull makes uh Sané Firmino or Salah special. Right. They um, finish they at about players. normal rate, right? Yeah, I and mean, this is how Liverpool got those three guys at such cheap rates. They identified precisely the players who had who had excellent expected goals numbers who were not um you know at, 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 in in they they identified players who had excellent expected goals numbers who had at that time had underperformed a little bit each of them um they have at Liverpool done better than that but like again you I don't think that like you would really need like a whole team of super finishers to expect to really overperform expected assists expected Alexander Arnold. I've got him at like six and a half expected assists and 12 actual assists. Um, you know, these are and Andrew Robertson at like seven and a half and 11. The thing is that those are great expected assist numbers for fullbacks. Like those are fantastic numbers. Those are, these fullbacks are really, really good at creating chances, which is exactly what you think when you watch them. Te- Liverpool is a team that has, that really right. depended on their fullbacks and, and, and for good reason. But, I think that they are both, I would bet on both of them being in the single digits in assists next year. Wow. Huge, huge shout. <sighs> okay. Because everyone has them and they're the two most expensive defenders in the game. Uh, maybe a little regression there. Um, so, okay, we kind of answered this one already. Oh, you'll like this question. TJC said, how does Michael think Felipe Anderson will perform this season based on his numbers last year? Generally, how useful are last season's numbers for indicating the underperforming assets? And can we rely on the numbers for the first two two to three game weeks to give us an advantage into an early wild card? So we kind of answered that part of it. but Yeah. Yep. So the thing with Felipe Anderson, who is, is one of my favorite players in the whole world, um, is that he is like he's like he's been like an o point at West Ham last year he was like o point four non penalty goals and assists per ninety his xG was a little bit worse than that um, at, at Lazio his 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 goal production was a little bit better but it wasn't super high he's like he, at Lazio he was like a o point five uh, goal and assists per ninety kind of guy um, what he's great at is a whole bunch of other things which. You don't really care about in in, in fantasy as much, but <laughs> yeah. he's he is, he's an elite ball progressor. He moves the ball into the penalty area so that someone else can set. He he, he is a great pass before the shot. You know, pass before the assist kind of. Yeah, we, kind call, of passer. we call those guys hockey assists. Yeah, great, exactly. Great, great for hockey assists. He's also a really fantastic ball winner. Um, I am West Ham is fascinating this year. They went and got some guys who. Uh, have just fantastic underlying numbers last year. So like uh yeah, we can we can from this go on to new players because I definitely want to go there. So you feel free to talk about like Fornals and Allaire and stuff. Yeah, Allaire Allaire I mean he just had this massive breakout season that pe- most people didn't notice, which is weird because he was at like nearly a goal and assist per 90, but because Luka Jovic who again, you know, I I get it, I guess to a certain degree. Uh Jovic is such a fantastic player and got all, all the hype, but Allaire just like his, it's it's just his goals. It's not like, it's not like there's some secret expected goals thing going on here. He had, he had 21 goals and 12 assists, 16 non-penalty goals and, and, and 12 assists. He, he assisted 53 shots at really high expected assists rates. Um, he worked really well with Jovic. It's, I think that having uh, him teaming up with Sarabia and with, um, for, for now, it's not. They got for now, it's not Sarabia. For now, it's um, and uh, 
he could be creating more chances for them. Fernals is also a huge shot assister. So all three, all three of those guys are really excellent creators. So it almost and sounds like they need an, a second striker or something like that alongside Allaire to get all the shots off that they're creating. Yeah, it, it, there's, there's a, I have a lot of questions about how this is exactly going to work. Yeah. Um, because like you need a midfield and stuff and you have the ball when you've got great guys who are really great on the ball. But Allaire is the one who um, has put up the big shot numbers on both sides that like looks like a fantasy star for Nulls and Anderson have both really impressed in a number of statistical categories that don't matter for fantasy. Gotcha. Yeah, Allaire's very much on my radar. He's the type of guy who they their first match of the season is Manchester City, so it feels bad to get that player because you're like, okay, well, he's not going to do anything in game week one, but he's definitely on, on a lot of people's radar going forward after that. Yeah. Um, let's talk about some other new players. I mean, Pepe, I think, was just confirmed today. Nicolas Pepe to Arsenal. What I'm, I know you're doing uh, the player profiles on mm-hmm. on the subscription side on your podcast. Yeah. So I don't want to like step on your toes, and and people no should definitely check that out if you're more interested in in player profiles. It's really cool. But um, what can you tell us about Nicolas Pepe, and how do you think that'll that'll work out? Yeah, so the the key with Pepe is is that his there's a huge amount of air in his goal scored numbers because he scored nine penalties last year. Oh, he's like is, Pogba. Yeah, no one scores nine penalties, but he also because of that he actually slightly underperformed his non penalty expected goals, and and they also created a whole bunch of shots. He had over ten expected assists um, to go with eleven assists. So. Uh, it all adds up to uh, he's in the range of 0.6 expected assists and expected goals per 90 and 0.6 uh, goal, non-penalty goals and assists per 90. Uh, I would guess he won't be on penalties at Arsenal, but I, who, no one knows these things. No one knows these <laughs> things. Um, but uh, he is – so he is a very good shot-getting player, but, like, you know, those numbers are similar to – they're in the they're they're a little bit better than Rashford was. They're in the range that Martial has been. They're in the range that uh, De La Feu has been. Um, those are the sorts. Those are his comps. These Oof. are these are That's very a low low blow to Arsenal fans right there. <laughs> like these, th- those are really good players. I don't know. I, like, know, but I wouldn't like, spend seventy two million on them. That's the thing. That's they, what they, I was going to say. When you hear seventy two million superstar, I'm sure a lot of Ar- Arsenal supporters listening to this were not expecting you to throw out De La Feu comps. Yep, De La Feu is really good. When he, plays. <laughs> he just needs to not piss people off. Yeah. Um, so like. This is this is sort of the range that he's in. Um, I, I I don't know where he's priced, but like I don't think that he's someone who is like expected to put up really really massive numbers. He's um, like he's young, he's good. Like you know th- those are you no know, those are starter on a top on a top six team kind of numbers. Which is what he is, right? Yeah, I think uh, penalties are are funny because they really most most teams I would say on average the striker takes the penalties and therefore people people's ideas of a good goal scoring season are really inflated mm-hmm. and like right like wide forward Nicolas Pepe without penalties he still scored thirteen goals and that's really good right for like a winger wide guy. Right. But exactly. it doesn't sound good. Like twenty two sounds good, and thirteen <laughs> doesn't sound good. I, I don't know. It's a weird, yep. weird thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's priced pretty high, so maybe that's just not not something to go. And Emery rotates so much. I mean, yeah the like, the fit the how that how that team is going to fit together confuses me a lot. They're extremely frustrating in fantasy. Emery in particular because. No one is really a hundred percent nailed for minutes, except for probably yeah, Aubameyang, and you know he's expensive as he should be, and and all the other guys are kind of like, ugh, throw your hands up, like don't know what to do. So that's tough. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, Lacazette is is excellent. I mean, that that's, that's the thing. That's the thing with his team is like, I don't. Know, we'll we'll see what Emery can do, but like it seemed to me that like having more sort of like support. 
quasi midfielders in the way that they use Iwobi and Mkhitaryan and, and, and Azil made more sense for the two strikers, but then maybe he won't be playing two strikers. So I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm confused by what they're going to be doing next year. Right. I guess that's Pepe's creative side is maybe what drew them more towards him than even the goal scoring numbers for that reason. Like maybe they just needed more creativity and stuff for the two strikers. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, his, his shot assist numbers are very good. His dribble numbers are good. Um, you know, I'm not, I, I'm skeptical of a lot of the decision making at Arsenal right now, though, with that team not having a defense and spending 72 yeah. million. I, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. They remind me of Liverpool before Klopp and Liverpool got good. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah. another guy that's new that, you know, shout out to uh, Tio in our Slack, who's a Birmingham fan and, and completely obsessed with him, is Che Adams at Southampton, mm-hmm. who scored a ton of goals last season. And I don't know, I think at least fantasy people expect him to start maybe alongside or like supporting Ings probably for Southampton. So I don't know, is there is there sort of like a good way to predict how new players from other leagues will adapt? Are there numbers outside of XG and stuff that we should be looking at from their former league to, to translate to the Premier League? Or is it more just one-to-one? Like if they're good at XG there, then they're they'll put up good XG numbers here. Yeah. So basically what I would say is that what you want, what, what I would recommend doing is um, what I would recommend you, you want to, there isn't like a, I don't have a good, like off the top of my head number for how much you want to discount the stats. Mm-hmm. But the, the basic rule that I have is that, um, <clears throat> is that if they're coming from, if they're coming from the La Liga, if they're coming from Liga, if they're coming from the Bundesliga, um, to a certain degree, if they're coming from Serie A, you got to be a little careful. And if they're coming from the championship, that it should the the, the shots and assists should translate just at a discount. Mm-hmm. Um, so so players who have put up good shot numbers in those leagues typically just go on and put up good shot numbers in the next league they play in. Um, I, I did not here list the the Dutch Eredivisie. We have had a bunch of guys who like the ability to get shots against the way that defenses work in the Eredivisie. It can be really weird. Uh, shots, for the most part, translate from Syria A. It's other numbers that can be weird. Uh, so, so, some, some, some midfield numbers in terms of, of, of ball progression pressing, in my experience. So that's really separate from what you're concerned about. Yeah, you, all, um, so, you also didn't mention the Belgian league with the yeah, exactly. gank imports and stuff. Exactly. Like they're, and, and, and exactly, and I don't have a good, quick story of how you identify players who have, whose skills are going to translate. Um, but I would say that with a guy like Adams is coming in from the championship, um, you know, you can expect it to translate. I, w- I would say one thing to be wary of with the championship is there are so many games. It leads to uh, superficially highly impressive numbers mm. that are um, when you realize that someone played 3,740 minutes <laughs> yeah, to lot. get their 22 <laughs> goals. They're not going to play that many minutes in the Premier League. You're, 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 you got you got you got to cut like you know 25 percent of that production off just for minutes total. Um, right, and so uh, you know, a- Adams got off got off over a hundred shots, but it took him forty six games, three hundred three thousand seven forty minutes to do it. Um, so you you want to be knocking all of those numbers down. Both like you expect a discount. Um, I don't twenty uh, percent. I, I don't. I don't want. I don't want to pick a number. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You, you want. You want. It, you want to discount the numbers because they'll be playing against better defenders. But then in the, for the championship, you have to also run the minutes discount because a, a regular in the championship plays so many minutes and gets and 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 so the 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 you want to be looking at per ninety numbers, especially when you're translating from the championship. Right, and then also just just snowballing on the the championship, and we can also we should also talk about the promoted sides, but. You know, like a team like Norwich, who was so good at attacking last season and had the majority of the ball and were probably on the front foot in the majority of the games, considering they won the league. Mm-hmm. 
does that also factor into the discount? Like the fact that they're probably, you know, among the lesser teams now in the Premier League and they'll be, you know, defending a lot more and, you know, not have the freedom and of attacking more. So I guess, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, that, yeah, there's, that's a, there's, just, a, there's a really fundamental problem with doing, uh, with projections for, uh, teams that are coming up from the championship which is that performance in the championship doesn't really project performance in the Premier League. Um, and, and the reason is that, for the most part, most teams make massive amounts of changes coming into the Premier True, League. Right. And so the past seasons, and what they tend to do is identify, you know, they, they, they've got this new, they've got new money. They either try to, they try to either intelligently identify weaknesses or just go out and buy a whole bunch of players. So <laughs> it's even hard to, like, there, there isn't a. I don't have a good method. The, the, the people who do this for a living, um, who, who are the people on like the gambling side and the bookies, especially, yeah. um, they need, uh, they, they need some kind of player model to do it. They need to be able to say bringing in these players changes the quality of this team by this much. And and with uh, you, you without a player model. Uh, projecting teams out of the championship into the premier league is um, it is kind of, it it is not a good idea. Yeah. That pr- seems... project players out, out protect teams out of the championship to the premier league based on their previous uh, based on their previous levels of uh, the team's previous level. Right. So it's, what you, it, what you mean is where we shouldn't be projecting how the team performs in terms of like where they are on the table and how many points and if they'll stay up. But when you, what you said earlier is the individual players, their shot numbers and their their creative numbers that we we can expect to to be reflective of their performance in the Premier League, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay, exactly. Okay. Because the problem is that the team, the player is still the same player, but right. the teams have so much changed so much that you expect to see. Um, Right, I understand. Got it. So uh, let's do a couple other new players. Um, we can talk about the American boy Pulisic, Pulisic mm-hmm. or Pulisic. I'm not sure, yeah. but he, he he he's from Hershey, Pennsylvania. He pronounces yeah. it Pulisic. Okay, got it. That's all I need to know. Um, so obviously, he has big big boots to fill with Hazard leaving and and coming mm-hmm. in there. And Chelsea are really really weird in fantasy this season because. You know they're obviously like normally a top six team, but all of their players are really cheap, and mm-hmm. so there's probably going to be some value players there because they're it, this is like unheard of that a top six team will have such cheap cheap attackers. But oh, that's really interesting. So and and, and, and it really comes down a great deal to that we don't know what um, who what Lampard Frank is going to prefer. Doing. Yes, the, the attack yeah. there could be. That's the thing I find like fascinating about this about this team's attack is that it it could be anything. Oh, it could be absolutely anything. I mean, Barkley just had like a a crazy preseason game, and now everyone in FPL is like tinkering him into their teams because he's really cheap, and maybe maybe he'll finally put it all together this season. And their forwards are all really cheap, so you know if it's Batshuayi, if it's Abraham, if it's Giroud. They're all priced the same, so whichever one, if one of them is the regular starter, they'll be in a lot of teams. And then there's Pedro Willian, and then Pulisic, Pulisic is the most expensive one, but he's still relatively cheap. So, what can yeah. we expect from him going forward? Yeah. So, so what's Pulisic, he good at? Yeah. So, 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 so Pulisic's best skill, basically, I would say is that he is really, really good. If, if you saw the, the goal he scored um, on the break in preseason, I, I did a little tweet about that because I thought that it it captured to a certain degree like who he is. He's very good at finding a little bit of space, um, whether it's behind the defense or um, or somewhere else, and getting into... Uh, why is this not working? Okay, um, <laughs> and he's very good. He's a very good outlet for, for for like forward passes, and then he's and then he's very good at holding the ball once he gets there. Um, and and what this can lead to then is he's often getting the ball in the penalty area in situations where he can create chances for other players. 
So he's kind of, he, he's not sort going. Sort of sounds like Hazard a little bit. Yeah. I, what Hazard can do that Pulisic is not nearly as good at is create with, is create with his feet. I Hazard, see. He's a good dribbler, but um, for the most part, but like it, that isn't where he gets into the most dangerous positions. But his goal production will probably like it, it, I think that like if you're looking at purely at like goal production, I think Hazard light is not like a crazy way of putting it because um, wow, like well like, like, light. Let's be clear. Light, this. light, 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 light. Diet. Um, yeah, because what he is is a roughly equal goal and assist per ninety guy. Uh, last year, the last he's been at like zero point five, so a goal or assist per nine, a goal or assist every two matches is where he's been the last two seasons. He's young enough that, that you could, I think you could expect some amount of progression from there. But like, you know, we're, 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 I, th- I think that expecting more than a goal and assist every two matches would be, um, you, 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 you're, you're betting on some hope there. But I think that a, a player who's expect, who I expect to play in a, in a, in a team that's going to have a really good back seven, um, I mean, that, I think, you know, that's where, that's where you're at. Anyway, 0.5 goals and assists per 90 is where you'd want to expect him. If he come, he is the sort of player that if he comes out with hot shot numbers, especially, and not just hot goal numbers, like, there's reason to think that moving from uh, the, the Favre's system where he wasn't able, they, they don't spend nearly as much time around the penalty area. They like to strike quickly. They uh-huh. like to, and, and what, what he's very good at is in those deep areas, finding space and holding people off. He might not have been able to do what he does best. Plus he's young enough. You'd expect some progression. So like, he's a player that like, I would really keep my eye on as someone who could break out this season. Um, but I wouldn't expect going into it more than like, you know, goal or assist per two games. Right. And just talking more about his numbers, I mean, obviously he, he's super young and his minutes have been like sort of inconsistent and last season extremely inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Is that, is it just a minutes thing why we see such a spike in his per 90 stats last season? Or did he really sort of like start to blossom or something? Like his non penalty XG yes. per 90 last season were, were huge numbers. Yes. Yeah, so, so one thing that's worth noting here is that, um, is that, he, his season had a really weird shape and, and down the, that's the other thing to dream on is down the stretch in the Bundesliga. He was awesome as, 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 as Dortmund were sort of pushing for that, to, for, for that title. And they had a couple of injuries. He ended up getting back into the side and exactly as you're saying, he, he was, he, he was putting up uh, superstar numbers. Um, the thing is that early in the season, he was being rotated. He played in the champions league. And he got quite a bit of minutes in those matches, mm. and he was bad. Oh, and, and, and he was also and he was also struggling in the Bundesliga. But he struggled enough in the Bundesliga they just benched him. And so when you add it all up over the course of the season, it comes out around the 0.5 range he'd been in the previous year. Okay, I understand. So, but he also had that that hot run happened. And is it possible that there was a kind, there was development that happened? And you, so that's another thing. Like, again, I wouldn't bet on that. We're looking at a small sample. You, you have to throw out the Champions League minutes to, um, to say, okay, he's now like 0.7. But if suddenly he comes out hot at the beginning of the season, putting up a lot of shots, getting goals and assists at a rates that look, that look like what he did in the Bundesliga down the stretch, you can be like, oh, huh? That's possible. You can fit a bunch of narratives to it. There's, oh, there's a lot of you're, lot you're of getting me a little excited here. Damn, um, I might I might have him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Um. Uh, uh, last, I think, new player that I just kind of like took from the top of my head is Joe Linton. I mean, he's super Joey cheap. Linton. Yes, and he's super cheap. And Newcastle seem like they're super bad, but. He was bought for a lot of money, and he's a striker, and so therefore he's fantasy relevant. So, what can you tell me about him? And I kind of want to also talk about managers, but maybe we could go to next. But what can we expect from Newcastle as a whole? I mean, like, what kind of what kind of statistics do you use when when talking about a manager? Like. Are there advanced statistics where you say like, well, this, this, and this is what Rafa does, and now they're losing that and bringing in Steve Bruce, so they're probably going to suck at this, 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 or you know, whatever. Like, how do you? 
I don't I don't know anything about the analytics world in relationship to managers, and I'm interested in that. Yeah, so th- there there you're looking at like um, tactical. You're looking at some of the t- stats that show, show show the way that play, managers work tactically. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you look for pressing numbers, the rate at which they win turnovers from other teams. Uh, Rafa's teams do not press. They 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 play that low medium block. They're consistently well below average in pressing. Um, you you look at how well, the percentage of their shots that come on the counterattack that come from d- direct balls forward. Um, Again, Rafa's team is very high in that. You'd look at how often they are crossing the ball into the penalty area versus how often they're passing the ball into the penalty area. Mm. And this is sort of where you'd, I think, expect to see a, probably a difference between Bruce's teams and Rafa's teams, although I haven't looked specifically at, at Bruce's numbers. Rafa's teams don't cross as much. They're looking to counter and move the ball into the penalty area in in, in a more uh, efficient way ra- rather than depending on crossing. Right. Um, and, and Joey Linton... So he put up, um, he underperformed expected goals last year. He was at like 0.55 expected goals and assists per 90 at just 22. Um, and he was more like 0.5 uh, goals and non-penalty goals and assists per 90. He's put up, um, he's put up really good shot numbers. He's also a very good passer of the ball. A very, uh, so you can see that in his, in his, in his, in that he's like putting up expected assist numbers nearly equal to his um, expected goals numbers. He's also he also pops uh, pops up with with good ball progression for a forward. He also wins the ball a lot, which is just weird. He tackles a lot for a forward. He's just a big, hardworking dude. Um, the thing that I'm concerned about with Joey Linton, who I think is a really fun and really good player, is that he's a really big guy that got signed for a Steve Bruce side, who historically has not contested or won very many aerials. Mm. And uh, it, 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 maybe he it is good at it. The, the thing is, he played at Hoffenheim in a in, in a possession system where his skills in ball progression and, and and making the last pass were highly valued, and then where they were pressing a lot, so he was winning the ball up high. Um, he strikes me as I think this is exactly where the manager thing is. He strikes me as a really bad fit for a Steve Bruce system where you expect to have a target man striker who is not pressing and winning the ball, but simply waiting for other people to lump it up toward them. That seems to me to be like exactly what he doesn't do. So it's a player that I like a lot. And if he starts performing at like normal Joey Linton levels, which would be, you know, normal Joey Linton levels would be like sort of what they got from Rondon last year. That's right. That's, they they bought a player who can, who should be able to re- replace Rondon's production with a little, little, little more creation. But I'm wor- I'm very worried about the tactical fit with the manager. Mm. It sounds more like he should be backing up Firmino than he should be like on Newcastle. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, wow, okay. So that's definitely one to watch. So he's extremely cheap, and all all Newcastle players are <laughs> extremely cheap. <clears throat> Maybe let's go from there to just talk about some of the other new managers. I mean, we mentioned Lampard before. He only has one season of management. Is there anything that he did at Derby that is like extremely different than than the season prior to that? Like, was did he really like put his stamp on the team in any significant way? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Simple no. Got it. Simple no. They took a lot of shots from outside the box. Oh, that seems bad. That doesn't seem great. But I, 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 it's he didn't do like a bad job, but like he does, he did not appear to have a particularly distinct tactical profile. There, I, 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 there's not a clear like this is what a Lampard team does. I think we're going to learn a lot this season what a Lampard team does. Got it. Um, and what about Potter? I, he's one that interests me. I don't know mm-hmm. what the. The stats necessarily say about the individual players on Brighton, but from my eye, there's a lot of like interesting players there and interesting attackers there that I feel like were underused or not used at all under under Chris Heaton. And I see Potter as like a progressive attacking, like counterattacking manager, and that gets me excited about some of their players. Like, what do you what do you see in Potter and and the Brighton players? Yeah, so Potter has been uh, very, very open to um, you know learning about analytics. He's been um, he, he's clearly a you know forward thinking manager. Um, it, it, it's not clear to me like 
because as you're saying, like the last year at Brighton was was very frustrating because Hutton just consistently refused to use players that yeah. looked like they. Um, in, in particular, he refused to use. Um, it, it isn't really, really useful for uh, for fantasy, but Yves Basuma is just. He's still just. He's he's a young guy. And he he hasn't even he hasn't even turned twenty three yet, and he's consistently put up great ball winning numbers and and and, and perfectly acceptable uh, ball progression numbers. Like he, he he seems like he should obviously be in the team, and he kept getting pushed out for like Dale Stevens, and it was inexplicable. <laughs> um, well, I mean, you got to play Solly March and Davy Proper alongside him. Yeah, like, Solly March, the world's last true winger. Well, I did, did a podcast him with him last Brighton. year. Trying to find players who are actually wingers that get up and down the field and like all much just yeah I'll write I'll write and cut yeah that's that's true I'll write and doesn't get doesn't get to the end line the same way March does but yeah yeah but like so I don't know what about about their like actually existing forwards the guys right. who matter for for fantasy like Jahan Baksh as I said you know stuff weird stuff happens to Eredivisie man weird yeah. stuff. Um, I, I, to the, he didn't, his, his underlying numbers in the premier league were terrible. He didn't impress me, but also he's playing a really weird system. So like, I'm really interested in what Potter does with this team, but it's, it's hard for me to look at the roster of players and say, yeah, there's the guy who'd be a fantasy pick because I think that, 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 that Potter is a legit manager. The guy who has been a fantasy pick before on Brighton and sneak preview is in my side right now is Pascal Gross. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, part of it is that he takes some penalties and he takes a lot of set pieces, but he also is the thing I mentioned before the bonus points. He's incredibly good at bonus points because he creates so many chances and, you know, like high, like. you get bonus points for assisting shots, but you lose points for missing shots. Basically, yeah, it's yeah, it's that, a really yeah, great system. Yeah, but, but yeah, that, that's true. Gross has um, the, the the system that he's been in. Um, he is a guy because he, he, he he both crosses a lot. He 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 moves the ball in the penalty area a lot, whether by crosses or by regular by by by, by you know Passing. by regular passes. And so he is he ends up producing, as you said. A, a high volume of shot assists. Um, if if they end up playing him in, in a forward role, I think I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So that's the guy I'm interested in. So, um, cool, cool, cool. Uh, maybe we can move to talk about the promoted sides. Like, talk to me about Pookie. I'm really interested in him, and I feel like his numbers are absurdly huge last season. And I personally get the feeling that, like, okay, he's probably just good and he's probably just going to be good and score like 15 goals or something, but maybe I'm just hugely overrating him. Um, yeah, so I've, I've, I've got him up here now. Yes. Um, yeah, so he put up um, yeah, 29 goals. And he was not on penalties, um, which even on, uh, on those numbers, yeah, so he, he's, he was one of the, he, he overperformed his expected goals by somewhat, but he's one of the top. Um, I've got yeah. He you know Tam, he, he's right in the same range as uh, Tammy Abraham and Kamar Roof um, and Dwight Gale in, uh, in in expected goals and assists. So t- top top of the championship in those numbers. Um, I think because uh, uh, there is there is a there's it looks like there is a minutes thing here. Yeah, so we're looking at another like thirty eight hundred yeah. minutes player. Yeah, um, Tammy Abraham put up similar numbers, but only played thirty three hundred minutes. Um, uh, Kamar Roof put up big numbers at twenty five hundred minutes. So these are guys who um, like. So yeah, he's he was one of the best play, best best uh, best strikers in the championship. If he's going to be playing again for this team, he's a pure penalty box striker. He got 144 shots, only 17 of them from outside the penalty area. Um, so it looks like a profile that will that should translate into goals. Um, got it. Um, and then talk to me a little bit about Graylish. Is another like you know well very well known championship player that is always linked with like Tottenham and other teams and. What is he so good at, or or is he overrated? And how do you expect him to to adapt to the Premier League? 
Yeah, so he is. Uh, he strikes me as exactly the kind of player who's a really good attacking player who is not a fantasy producer. Yeah, um, it seems like he, that. Yeah, he is an elite passer. He's an elite progressive passer. He's been he's led the championship in 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 my numbers in what I've called progressive passes passes that move the attack forward past where it's been um, by, by by ten or more yards uh, in, in the attacking half. Um, he is. He, he moves the ball into the final third. He moves the ball into the penalty area. Um, he does not. Uh, he, he he does not get that many shots. Right. Um, he, and 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 it's he he assists a reasonable number of shots. But I've got him at like zero point three zero point three five expected goals and assists per ninety. Um, so he's a big. He's a very productive attacking player, but he's not giving you. Um, He's not giving you major production. Major um, points, yeah. yeah. But it, but is it sort of similar to like something like Pascal Gross, or are they completely different like skill sets? Like because Gross yeah. also doesn't you know put up the huge like you know expected goals plus expected assists per ninety, but he's relevant and he's cheap and he could be like decent, you know. Yeah, so uh, Grealish is going to get more shots than than than, than Gross. Okay. Probably going to assist a few, uh, uh, not quite, not not assist quite as many. Um, but but um, he, he's putting up um, his yeah so 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 gross is is and last year gross had a really bad finishing people finished his shots in the shots he created incredibly badly right right so he he is he, I, I I see why I've got him in there he's a, only three assists but six expected assists um, you expect you 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 can you can really see a bounce back there but yeah I th- I think that that's in the same in the same sort of range. Same sort of range, got it. And, okay, and cool. possibly, you know, he's going to be shooting more, so maybe he won't be getting as many bonus points, but he probably will be getting a few more goals. Got it. Um, all right, a few questions about defense in general. I'll just mm-hmm. rattle them all off because I think it's just a. This will just be like a sort of long defensive chat. But um, Nar wanted to know how do you expect Burnley to perform defensively this year? I, I, we talked about Burnley the last time you were on, and I. Have to explain to you that no, they're actually really fantasy relevant because their guys are cheap and they get clean sheets and stuff. <laughs> um, Dice, you know, like with his his XG wizardry or whatever, like makes for a cheap guy who gets clean sheets, which is good. Um, also, I I like this question a lot. How important is the defensive midfielder to a team's defense, particular to the goals conceded? And what he had in mind there is Everton minus Gay. And Spurs yep. getting Ndombele and Chelsea with Conte back in his old defensive position. Like, how much does that sort of swing a team's um, defensive numbers? And then the last question was, can Arsenal's amazing attack dominate most games and therefore cover their bad defense? I've heard the same thing talked about with Manchester City, who are so attacking that their defenders don't need to defend much. Yeah, so uh, taking take a couple of these. Um, yeah. One of the one of the questions with uh, with Burnley yeah. is going to be um, so they had this like run last season where they tried playing Joe Hart at keeper and it was bad and 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 they were um, they were really they were they they were they were they weren't even overporting their their, their expected goals at all. He's so bad, and and, and they have uh, they've sold Tom Heaton. Yeah, so, so going it's going to be Pope, right? Yeah, it's going it's going to it's going to be Pope at goalkeeper. And and, and, and so they're going to need to and I think last year it was it was hitting there for a bunch of the time. Um so they, they, they there's the 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 way the goalkeeper and the what whatever magic Sean Dyche does, mm-hmm. it, it depends a lot on the relationship between the keeper and the center backs. Right. Uh, the, the other thing I'd say is that um I I definitely wonder where there's going to be uh, diminishing returns for this Burnley strategy as they continue to not like get good players. <laughs> and they just expect Sean Dyche to be magic. Yeah. And, um, it concerns me with how, how much stronger the mid table is getting. It's sort um, of like Newcastle getting worse every year under Rafa and Rafa just doing Rafa things. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so the other, the other ones, I'd say a defensive midfielder is exceptionally important. Um, the, 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 so much of defense happens outside of the, of, of, of happen is done by people who aren't in the back four modern right. football, ev- almost ev- most good teams, everyone 
does defending. Even mm-hmm. other teams, there's maybe one striker who doesn't do defending. And so having having players who can clean up in front of the defense makes a huge difference. Tottenham was a super weird team last year where they didn't have players who could clean up in front of the defense and they expected their defense just to go and make plays. But Alderweireld especially had a fantastic season. Their defense ended up being well above average despite not having a defensive midfielder. So it can happen. But it is unusual. If you're if you're looking for a team to give you numbers, you expect them to have um, have quality ball winning in midfield. Uh, midfield, yeah, <laughs> a midfield, uh, and and like so. I would say that the now the the weird the weirdest one here though is Arsenal, who have a good ball winner in midfield in in Terreira, and 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 Jaka is you know useful sort of like standing in that position. And, 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 you know, Doozy moves around a lot. So Bios isn't bad. Um, the concern with them really is that their defenders just aren't good at defending. And last year, it really hurt them. Um, and, and you can see the effects of this last year. Last year, they had Terrera. They had, they, had they had a defensive midfield. So a defensive midfield doesn't just solve everything either. Right. And if they, so it's hard for me to see how, because the thing is that Arsenal, like, Pepe's good. But Arsenal have not improved their attack that much by adding Pepe. Mm. They've they've added another useful piece. And so if their defense was bad last year, and the other thing with Arsenal is that last year, Burnt Leno was one of the five best shot-stopping goalkeepers in the league, and he had never been that in Germany. And so if Leno regresses to his previous mean, his production in the German league, um, they're in a real lot of trouble. So it's scary. Well, hopefully Emery starts Torreira every game and maybe yep. that, that'll that'll counter a little bit of that and they don't yep. just completely fall apart, but that's a little scary. Yep. So um, what about Everton under with Gay because as you can imagine, guys, their fullbacks Dean Dean and Coleman are very highly owned, like highly talked mm-hmm. about fantasy assets with, you know, the number of attacking returns that they produce, but I'm personally very worried about their ability to defend and keep clean sheets with the loss of Gay, who they, I guess, replaced with Delph, unless they're going to make another big signing. Well, it looks like they're getting Gabamin, I don't know how it's pronounced, um, from, from okay. and so it looks like they think that Gamamin is their one-to-one replacement. Um, okay. Two years ago at Mainz, he was a little under five tackles and assists per 90, so... Um, it looks to me like like what and, and so Marco Silva is a wild man. Marco Silva is <laughs> they, they, the Everton were the highest pressing team in the Premier League last year, despite having um, mostly players who aren't very good at pressing. Oh, and the, sorry to interrupt. This morning there was a tweet from Paul Joyce that Everton agreed to a twenty five million pound deal with Mines for Gabamine. So yeah, yep. I guess I guess it's happening. <laughs> yeah, so I think that he is. Um, so they are going to hope that he can cover enough of what Ghana did. Um, I think, I mean, Guy has been, I think he was the only player I've had in the top 10 big five leagues in tackles and interceptions per 90 each of the last three seasons. Um, wow. he, he is an absolutely elite ball winner. And um, and so replacing that is going to be hard. I think you're going to see a downgrade, but they are, and I think that they are planning on just doing the same thing um, hopefully they'll be now running out somewhat younger forwards. They won't be depending at least as much on like the you know, Walcott and guys who just don't press at all. But yeah, it's it's a Silva. I don't expect much defending from Silva teams in the first place. And without Ghana, it'll probably be a little bit worse. Mm, got it. Yeah, because they they ended the season incredibly well last year with like I think. Eight out of their last ten matches were clean sheets, and they were just winning all of these games and just being awesome. And I think that yeah. may have inflated the numbers a little bit. Yeah, I, th- I think th- I think they outperformed their expected goals, their expected assists, expected goals allowed a little bit. They're definitely, um, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't expect that to be a strong defensive team. Okay, got that. Um, all right, we're already like at an hour. I have all these questions, but I don't want to keep you too long. Like. Do you want to run th- run through a few questions, or should we wrap it up? I, th- I, th- I think I need to wrap it up. I'm sorry. Yeah, no problem. Hour, an hour of content, totally good. Um, so, 
We have all these questions, but I think if people go to your podcast and your Twitter and all that stuff, you should tell people where to find you. You talk about this kind of stuff all the time so people can hear more through you. Yep. So where can people find you and, and do all that stuff? Yes, yeah, so you can find the Double Pivot podcast. I record, we're doing that. We do two or two or three pods a week. Um, uh, uh, subscribers can get those extra one or two uh, by going to patreon.com slash double pivot. Um, I'm, I'm on the internet at MC underscore of underscore a, uh, and, and, uh, writing for uh five writing for the athletics. So you can find me all over the place. Uh, yeah. Also, if you are interested in progressive politics in Brooklyn and changing the Democratic Party, you can go to repyourblock.com. That's uh, uh, the other thing I'm doing is some uh, political organizing locally. So, uh, Hell Brooklyn, yeah. you know, you know and, 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 any progressive Brooklyn uh, fantasy Premier League players, uh, check out repyourblock.com. Okay. What's your expected. Um Expected, I don't know. I was trying to make yeah, an no, XG we, no, joke. We, 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 expected no, we, progression. We, we need expe- expected seats in the in the, in the county committee. Or or we got like almost five hundred last time. Need need more than that. So that's okay, what we I've, 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 I've got a spreadsheet. Exactly. Got yeah, a spreadsheet got for it. it. Got it. Got it. All right. <laughs> thanks so much again for coming on for another time. We'll keep in touch for sure. And uh, cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Podcast Network.